بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين بنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we continue tonight with our شرح of بلوغ المرام we busy with the fiqh of salah, kitab salah and we are in which chapter? Salatul Tatawr, correct? We are busy with Salatul Tatawr, the chapter of the voluntary uh, salawat. طيب. The last hadith that we covered last week, the last hadith we covered last week was the hadith of, that mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa after he prayed the two raka'at of Fajr, the two sunnah raka'at of Fajr, he used to lay down on his right hand side and rest before the third salah comes. But we explained what that meant and why he did this. Because he used to stand most of the night or for a long period of the night in Qiyamul Layl. And so therefore, by the time Fajr came, he was obviously tired. So after he prayed the two, he would rest, lay down on his right hand side. And then when the waqt of Fajr came in, you would stand up and go and pray Fajr. So we said the sunnah, yeah, according to the correct view is that for a person similar to this, a person who stands majority or a long period of the night, he should fulfill the sunnah. But a person who sleeps majority of the night and he wakes up fresh without doing qiyamul layl, then the sunnah does not apply to him in this instance and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. So we move on to the next hadith in the chapter which is narrated from Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma who said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Salatu layli mathna mathna Fa'idha khashya ahadukum al-subhi Salla rak'atan wahidatan Tootiru lahu ma qad salla Muttafaqun alayh Walil khamsati wa sahahu ibn hibban Salatu layli wa nahari mathna mathna Wa qala al-nasai hadha khata' The hadith of Ibn Umar is a famous hadith A very well-known hadith Especially in the month of Ramadan You hear lots of debate around this hadith and so forth what is the hadith? The hadith says Salatul Layli Mathna Mathna The prayer or the night prayer Salatul Layl Right? We all know what Salatul Layl The night prayer is Mathna Mathna This word Mathna Mathna means Literally it means Two by two Meaning Raka'atayn bi raka'atayn Understand? It means two raka'at by two raka'at this is Salatul Layl. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is describing Salatul Layl. What is Salatul Layl? How is Salatul Layl prayed? In units of two by two. Understand? In units of two raka'at by two raka'at. فَإِذَا خَشِيَ أَحَدُكُمُ الصُّبْحِ And if one of you fears for subh, meaning he's worried that it's, it's about to be fajr, Salatul Subh is about to come in, the waqt is about to come in, what should he do? صَلَّ رَكْعَةً وَاحِدَةً he shouldn't pray one rak'ah. Make one rak'ah for you as a witter. Of course, as a witter. Tutiru lahu ma qad salla. And this is a, serves as a witter for that which he had prayed. Right? This hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. Then the author says, and in the five books, which is authenticated by Ibn Hibban, Salatul Layli, one nahari mathna mathna, the night prayer and the day's prayer is also two by two, although An-Nasa'i said this hadith is incorrect. So, from the benefits of this hadith is number one <coughs> that Qiyamul Layl is a sunnah. 
established from this hadith, Salatul Layli Mathna Mathna, that already proves that Qiyamul Layl is a Sunnah. Number two is that there is no limit to the amount of to the amount of rakaat that one is allowed to pray in Qiyamul Layl. That Salatul Layl laysa laha had, which means it has no limit to the amount of rakaat that one is allowed to pray. Understand this? So Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah explains and he says, if a person wants to pray two rak'at or four rak'at or six rak'at or more, and it's permissible, he says, for them to make more than 11 rak'at as well, because this hadith was a, was, came as an answer to a question. This wording of the hadith, salatu layli mathna mathna, was an answer to a question that was posed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So a man came, a Bedouin man came, and he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what do you say about Salatul Layl? What, do you, what, what is it that you see about Salatul Layl? So he said, Mathna, Mathna. As if to say, how do we pray? You know, how do we do Salatul Layl? And he said, two by two, two at a time. So what this proves is that whether it's two or four or six or eight or 20, as long as it's done in twos, it's fine. Because no limitation has been placed on the amount. Understand this point? Um, so the Shaykh says that the amount of raka'at of Salatul Layl, the Prophet never mentioned. He did not say, لا تزيدوا ولا تنقصوا. He never mentioned these words, meaning don't add so much and don't detract so much. He just said two by two. He left it open. You understand? He left it open. Two by two. Khalas. That's all he said. However, what we do know is from his actions, from the way he prayed Salatul Layl. How did he pray Salatul Layl? How many raka'at did he make? Right? What we know is he never made more than 13 or 11 raka'at. He never made more than 11 raka'at. This was the way of the Prophet This is his sunnah. However, when he was asked about Qiyamul Layl, he said, two by two. Okay? So the Shaykh, he says, what's the best thing to do is, if a person has waqt, if he has enough time and energy during the night, what's the best thing he can do? The best thing is he can lengthen the salah, pray a number of raka'at, and try to pray 11 raka'at. That's the best thing that he can do. Because in this way, What's he doing? Number one, he's standing a long period in the night. And number two, he's also fulfilling the sunnah, the way the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the way he performed it. Eleven raka'at. Understand? Eleven, there was a narration that mentioned thirteen as well. So we say eleven or thirteen. Understand? Um, so the Sheikh he says again, we say to this person, Lengthen the ruku' if you can. Lengthen the sujood. Lengthen the standing. This is all part of the sunnah. It wasn't just a long standing. The Prophet ﷺ stood long in qiyam. And when he went into ruku' he was long in the ruku'. Some say it was as long as the qiyam. Can you imagine that? It was as long as the qiyam. As the standing. And the same with the sujood. All of the parts of the salah he, he 
lengthened it. He made it. He, he took his time in the ruku', in the sujood, and so forth. Taib, if it's possible for the person to do this, he should. This is the best way to do it. Lengthen everything. Take your time. Relax. Right. And try to make it that you end up praying 11 raka'at. And now and then 13 raka'at. But most of the time it was 11 raka'at. Um, then he says, as for those who say it's not permissible to make more than 11 raka'at. There are certain ulama, it's a very minority view, but there are certain scholars who have taken this view. The likes of Sheikh Al-Bani, rahimahullah, I think Imam Asan'ani and others, have adopted the view that they say it's not permissible to make more than 11. Because if you look at the hadith of Aisha, she says the Prophet never made more than 11. That's her way of describing his salah. Understand? However, if you look at this hadith of Mathna, Mathna, what does it prove to us? That there is no limitation placed. When the Prophet was asked about Qiyamul Layl, he only said two by two. Had it been haram, he would have said, make two by two, but make sure you don't make more than 11. Or make sure these, you know, you do not exceed 11 raka'at. Make sure you limit or you stop yourself by 11 raka'at. For example, he would have said this. Are you with me? But the fact is, he left it open. He said, mathna, mathna. And even though that's the action of the Prophet ﷺ, the action denotes that it's a sunnah and not a fawd. The action denotes that it's a sunnah and not a fawd. And this is the view of the vast majority of ulama. The vast majority of ulama, they say, there's no limitation in the qiyam. Also, some ulama say the best is to make 23. Like we see here in Tarawih, 20 raka'at of Tarawih, 3 raka'at of Witr. So you make 23 raka'at. But is this better than 11? It's not better than 11. Why? Because the Rasulullah, he made 11. So we also don't say to make 23 is better. The Sheikh is saying, try to stick to 11. Okay? So there's two aspects of the Sunnah here. Aspect number one is the amount of raka'at. If you can fulfill 11, then that's better than any other number. Because you are fulfilling the same number that the Prophet ﷺ fulfilled. The other aspect is the length of the raka'at. The length. The Prophet ﷺ prayed a long period of time. So the longer you can pray, the better. But that doesn't mean that if you're going to pray very short, that you have to lessen the raka'at. Or if you're going to pray long, you have to lengthen the raka'at. So let's say we are going to pray a long time. And we say well, it's better if you make 20 raka'at to make it easy for the people. This would be permissible. But you are missing out of the sunnah of 11. It's permissible, but you are missing out of the sunnah of 11. And if we prayed 11, but we recited less, you're getting the sunnah of 11, but you're missing the sunnah of praying less or standing for a shorter period of time. So we should try and try and fulfill both sunnah, if we can. Try to make 11, but also try to pray longer, if it's possible. If it's not possible, alhamdulillah, you pray whatever you are able to pray. You do the, to, what you are able to do, what your body is able to do, and so forth. But you should also try to build up. This is the way of the believer. Tayyip. So the Sheikh, he says, if you can fulfill one sunnah, it's better than fulfilling none. You understand? With regards to the Qiyam, and so forth. And Allah Azza wa Jal ultimately knows best. 
Ähm Another benefit he extracts from this hadith is that it's not permissible to make more than two raka'at per unit. So you can't make three raka'at and then two and then one and it has to be two by two. Understand? Mathna, mathna. Two by two. You can't decide to make three or four. Okay? It has to be two by two. Another benefit here is regarding the hadith of Aisha. Okay, I'll skip that one for now. Um, any questions on this hadith? The hadith is clear, inshallah. Salatul Ayl is two by two. And the, the main proof is, and this applies to in Ramadan and outside of Ramadan, just to be clear. This applies to within Ramadan and outside of Ramadan. <coughs> it just says Salatul Layl. Understand? So it applies to, to any time during the year, not just for Ramadan. So that is that will be eight um, Layl and three bitter. If you choose to do it that way, yes. What's the stand for the Prophet? We're going to get there. That's gonna, it, you're going to see the different ways that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam prayed. Okay. طيب, the next hadith is from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu who said that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "أفضل الصلاة بعد الفريضة صلاة الليل أخرجه مسلم." He said that the best salah after the faridah, after the Obligatory salah is salatul layl, is the night prayer. This is the best salah after the night, after the the fard salahs. This hadith is in Muslim, Sahih Muslim. So, why is this? What's the hikmah in this? What is it that makes salatul layl so special? Okay, that's one. Definitely one aspect. That if you pray Qiyam, especially during the end of the night, then this this will correspond with the best time, which is the time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends in the last third of the night. Right? And it's mentioned in Quran. Okay, it's mentioned in Quran, the virtue of Qiyamul Layl. Also, the secret in Qiyamul Layl is what? Is that ikhlas. Is that nobody sees you. You wake up, you get out of your bed. You get out of your sleep in the middle of the night. Most of us, we don't get up for anything unless it's a real necessity. But otherwise, we're in bed now. Right? We're sleeping. Only time we're going to get up if it's Fajr. But the person who gets up for, an, for a Sunnah, not an obligatory matter, not something you're going to be punished for, you're going to be punished if you sleep through Fajr. But if the, the Qiyam, you'll be punished. You won't be punished. But you will be greatly rewarded if you got up. If you made that effort, that sacrifice, you sacrificed your sleep, your rest, your energy, various things. Sometimes it's cold. Huh? And so forth. This is a sign of ikhlas. That you get up, nobody sees you. You're not going to the masjid. You're not praying with the whole household can see you. It's between you and Allah. This is the secret behind this is what makes it really special. Understand? And this is why it's so, so, so special, so, so, so great. 
And the Quran also mentions it is ashaddu wata'an wa aqwa mukila. Ashaddu wata'an means it's more effective in terms of its concurrence. Yani it brings together the heart and the, the tongue and the limbs. Because it's just you and Allah. It really uniforms everything. Everything now concurs because this ikhlas is present. And this is the secret behind the hajjud or qiyam. It is that it's kept between us and Allah. So a person who's not sincere in qiyam is a person who speaks about his qiyam. You know, some people, they tell you, you know, I was up the whole night in the hajjud. Or, you know, I spent last night in, in qiyamul layl. Or every night I stand for an hour in qiyamul layl and so forth. This person has missed the point of Qiyamul <coughs> This person has missed the point of Qiyamul Layl because the whole idea behind Qiyam is that it's a secret. And it's between you and Allah Azza wa Jal. But when people speak about their Qiyam, what I you know, made this dua in my Qiyamul Layl, every night I make Qiyamul Layl, for what are you mentioning this? What's the hikmah in mentioning this? This is between you and Allah Azza wa Jal. This is the whole point behind Qiyam that is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh says it's also a, an evidence or a sign of a person's raghbah. A person's raghbah. And we should always have raghbah. Raghbah is your want and your desire. And your seeking of, you know, to do good deeds. This is raghbah. You want to do farghab. Right? Ila rabbika farghab. At the end of surah sharh. Fa'idha faraghta fansab. وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ فَرْغَبْ And to your Lord you should turn with رَغْبَة With this desire, this want That you want to worship Him, you want to obey Him A person who wakes up in the middle of the night For no other reason but to pray to Allah This is a sign of رَغْبَة And رَغْبَة is an act of worship in and of itself Understand? This is a sign of his رَغْبَة that he is a person who desires to see Allah or to meet Allah or to worship Allah and to taste that, that sweetness of his worship and so forth. The, the last ayah of Surah Sharh. Alam nashrah laka sadra wa ila rabbika farghab. And as we mentioned, it usually corresponds if we pray at the end of the night to the last third of the night, which is the best part of the night. Why is it the best part of the night? Because the hadith says, يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى فِي ثُلُثِ اللَّيْلِ الْأَخِيرِ فِي ثُلُثِ اللَّيْلِ الْأَخِيرِ وَذَلِكَ فِي كُلِّ لَيْلَةِ That on every night, our Lord, He descends to the last heaven. He comes down and He descends in a manner that befits Him. And He calls out and He says, and He says what? Who is there that is? Making dua to me so that I can respond to his dua. Man yad'uni fa'astajibalah. And who is there that's asking of me so that I can give him? Man yas'aluni fa'u'tiyah. Man yastaghfiruni fa'aghfiralah. Who's asking my forgiveness so that I can forgive him? So Allah comes down in a manner that befits his majesty. This happens from the last third of the night right up until Fajr. And Allah is asking, where are these slaves? Who is there? Who is asking so I can give? Who is asking so I can pardon? Who is asking so I can respond? Subhanallah. Yet 90% of us are what? We fast asleep. Yet we have needs. Yet we are in desperate situations. Yet we have debt. Yet we have 
sickness, yet we have difficulty, yet we have all types of issues. We all go through tests. But who gets up at the last night of the night? Says, Ya Allah, labbaika wa sa'adaik. I'm here. Labbaik, I'm here, Ya Allah. I'm asking, forgive me. I'm asking, give to me. And this is why some scholars said, a person who has a need, and he doesn't wake up in the last night of the night, he's not sincere in his need. He's not sincere in his need. Because the fact is, if you're really that desperate, and you haven't woken up, you not wake every single night, the hadith says, This happens on every night. And yet we don't take heed. You know, it's like somebody standing outside your door and says, Who wants? Here's this. Who wants this? Here's this. Who wants this item? Here you go. People will rush. Make sure we get up before Fajr so that we can be first in line. It's Black Friday sale, for example. People will be there, ready for the handout. Here's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his handouts. Nobody's bothered. Nobody's worried. Nobody, we're sleeping. We fast asleep. And this is the, the, the unfortunate state of insan. Wallahu musta'an. So this is another benefit of Qiyamul Layl. That it coincides with this time of the night. So a person who stands for Qiyam, automatically he will get this time. Automatically he will find the best, the best time. The time when dua is accepted. The dua, the time when Allah is there waiting, calling out and looking to answer you know, the person's supplications and is, and is asking and to respond to his istighfar and so forth. Wallahu musta'an. Tayyib, um, the, another point the Shaykh goes into here is that Ahlu Sunnah wa Jama'ah, we believe Allah descends. Just like we believe that He ascended above His throne, that He is above His throne, there's a matter of aqidah, of belief in Tawheed of Asma'i wa Sifat, that we believe Allah descends because the hadith says He descends. Right? We're not people who reinterpret and, you know, twist the meaning to say, it's not Allah who descends, it's His Rahmah that descends. It's not Allah who descends, it's His favor that descends. And you get this type of ta'wilat that people have, you know, interpolation, or should I say interpretate, reinterpreting the text to suit their, 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 their aql or their whims. This is not the way of Ahlul Sunnah wa Jama'ah. We accept as it, the hadith says it is, according to how does it done, only Allah Azza wa Jal knows and we don't ask how. Right? We don't ask how, we just accept it as it is. This is the way of Ahlul Sunnah and we've, we've covered these issues, alhamdulillah. Also another proof for this is, the hadith says, when Allah descends, He calls out and He says, Who is making dua to me? So if you say it is Rahmah that descends, is His Rahmah speaking? If you say it is favor that descends, is His favor then calling out? Do you understand? Do you understand the evidence that the scholars have mentioned? No, Allah says, he the hadith says, Allah descends and then He calls out. Yaqul, He says, Man yad'uni. So if you say that meant Rahmah, then that would have meant that the Rahmah is saying, and the Rahmah is speaking, who is making dua to me so that I can forgive him or, or grant him and so forth. So this obviously doesn't make sense either. Allah musta'an. So we stick to the literal and apparent meaning of the text, and that is the way of the, the Salaf al-Salih. Alhamdulillah. And the main benefit behind this hadith is that the hadith proves that the best of Salah is after the faridah is salatul layl, is the salatul layl, is the night prayers. Um, although the Sheikh mentions now in the benefits of the hadith, he says that if we take the daily salah, right, besides the fard, 
We've got daily salawat that we perform. Right? Like you can make a nafil salah anytime during the day as long as it's not in the time when it's forbidden. As long as it's not during the times when it is forbidden. Will this be better than Qiyamul Layl? No, it won't. However, what about the specific salawat we have, like the rawatib? Like the rawatib. The rawatib is not a, a general salah. It's something specific. It's connected to the fard. And there's a special reward for it. Whoever prays it gets Jannah, a house in Jannah. Is this better than Qiyamul Layl? This, this Ibn Uthaymin saying is, this is even better than Qiyamul Layl. Because it's something specific. Likewise, Witr is something specific, is better than Qiyamul Layl. So Qiyamul Layl is the best Sunnah that is Mutlaqah. Meaning, it's not attached or restricted to anything. It's just a random, general nafil that you pray. Understand? For no reason. You just stand up and you pray. Like if we decided to pray right now. As we are in this waqt right now. We are between Maghrib and Isha. Is it permissible to pray? Yes, it is. So we can pray nafil. No problem. Nafil salah. Allahu Akbar. We pray nafil. Is this better than the, the prayer at the end of the night? No, it's not. No, it's not. Understand? Because this nafil and the nafil of Qiyamul Layl. That is always the best nafil. That's the best nafil. But the, the salah that is muqayyada, and we spoke about this in the beginning of the chapter, I said these different types of tatawr. You get that? Ones that are restricted or connected to some act of worship, like the rawatib, like witr, like salatul duha, those are the best. Then comes the mutlaq, that which is unrestricted. And the best of them is the qiyamul layl. The best of them are the Qiyamul Layls, you know, Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. By the next hadith is from an Abi Ayyub al Ansari radiallahu anhu, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al Witru haqqun ala kulli Muslim, that Witr is a duty upon every Muslim. Man ahabba an yutira bi khamsin falyafal. Whomsoever wants to pray Witr or whomsoever prefers to pray Witr with five raka'at, let him do that. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يُوتِرَ بِثَلَاثٍ فَلْيَفْعَلْ And whomsoever prefers to pray witr with three raka'at, let him do that. وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ أَنْ يُوتِرَ بِوَاحِدَةٍ فَلْيَفْعَلْ And whomsoever prefers to pray witr with one raka'at, let him do that. رواه الأربعة إلا الترمذي وصحه ابن حبان ورجح النسائي وقفه. طيب. So what does this hadith tell us? That witr is a duty upon every Muslim. Secondly, whomsoever wants to pray five raka'at, of witr, let him do that. If someone wants to pray three, or everyone wants to pray one, let him do that. You have a choice in the matter. Five, three, or one. Okay? The next hadith, which is, is from Ali ibn Abi Talib, radiallahu anhu, who said, لَيْسَ الْوِتْرُ بِحَتْمِ كَهَيْئَةِ الْمَكْتُوبَةِ وَلَكِنْ سُنَّةِ سَنَّهَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ رَوْهُ النَّسَائِ وَالْتِرْمِنِ وَالْحَسْنُ وَالْحَاكِمُ وَالْوَصَحَهُ he says that witr is not like the, the fard. It's not on the same level as the fard. Rather, it's a sunnah which the Prophet ﷺ made as a sunnah. Sannaha Rasulullah. Rasulullah ﷺ. So what does this hadith tell us? Is the hadith, what is the ruling on witr basically? These two hadith are discussing the ruling on witr. The first hadith says that witr is a 
a duty on every Muslim. That could be wajib. That could be, that's telling us that it could be wajib. In another hadith it says, Al-witru haqqun faman lam yutar falaysa minna. That witr is a duty. Whomsoever does not pray, it is not from amongst us. This proves that it is what? It's wajib. Other scholars said, it's not wajib. It's not wajib. Because if you look at the second hadith, what does it say? It's a sunnah. It's not like the wajib, it's a sunnah. Which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made as a sunnah. Tayyip. So we got two opinions. Some scholars said, witr is fard and wajib. Other scholars said it is a, a sunnah. Tayyip. Then Ibn Uthaymi said, other ulama said that it is fard only for people who pray Qiyamul Layl every night. So whoever prays Qiyamul Layl, they must pray Witr. Whoever prays Qiyamul Layl, they can't skip Witr. This is the view, this is, and he says it's the view of Shaykh al-Islam Because of the hadith, إِجْعَلُوا آخِرَ صَلَاتِكُمْ بِلَيْلِ وِتْرًا Make the last prayer of your night the Witr. Make Witr the last prayer of your night. Meaning, if you prayed now your, your, your Isha and so forth, and you pray the two after Isha, the Rawatib, then you decide to make Qiyamul Layl, whether it's the beginning of the night, or the middle of the night, or the end of the night. The point, what does this hadith say? Make the last Salah Witr. Understand? And that's an instruction, it's a command. <coughs> so, Shaykh al-Islam is of the opinion, if you are praying Qiyamul Layl, then you must pray Witr. Then it becomes hard for you to pray Witr. Another hadith he mentions on this point is the hadith the Prophet said, Perform your witr, O people of the Quran. Ya Ahlal Quran. Perform witr, O people of the Quran. That's another hadith. So he said, Who are the people of the Quran? The people of the Quran are the people of the Hajjud. A person who is a true person of the Qur'an, a real person of the Qur'an, is a person who stands up in the night prayer. This is one of the characteristics, this is how the Imams and the scholars and the Salaf would view a real person of the Qur'an. Not just a Hafiz, not just a person who recites well. For them, if you, are, if you are a person of the Qur'an, it will be seen, his character, the way he looks, the way he dresses, the way he speaks, and the way he worships Allah. For them, it's impossible to be a person of the Qur'an except that you stand up and you pray to Hajjud. So this is another uh, uh, hadith that Ibn Taymiyyah uses to show you that they are the people who make Qiyam, therefore they must be making Witr as well. Perform Witr or people of the Qur'an. And the people of the Qur'an are those who make the Hajjud. Understand his evidence? So that's a third view. So the first view is it's fard. The second view is it's a sunnah. The third view is it's fard for those who pray Qiyamul Layl. And that's a strong view, I believe. Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. However, the, the vast majority of scholars say that witr is a, is a sunnah. Witr is a sunnah and not a fard. Witr is a sunnah and not a fard. If you travel, it's still a sunnah. If you travel, it's still a sunnah. You shouldn't leave it out. The point is that the two before Fajr and Witr, they are the most important of the Sunnah, the most virtuous of the Sunnah. So even if you're traveling, you should pray them. But this still doesn't make it a, a fault. It still doesn't make it an obligation. So, 
And this is the view of the vast majority of ulama that witr is a sunnah mu'akkada. It's an it's a emphasized sunnah. It's something that in reality we should not be omitting. We should not skip witr for any reason. We should pray witr. Because there's so many ahadith about the importance of witr and about performing witr and the Prophet advising us to pray witr and so forth. So witr should never be skipped. Even though it's not a fault. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he said, Man taraka al-witra fahuwa rajulun su' Whomsoever skips witr or abandons witr, then he's an evil person. Whomsoever abandons witr, yani he never prays witr, then he's an evil person. La yanbaghi, he says it's not befitting that you accept his shahada. It's not befitting that you accept his shahada. What is meant by this shahada? I think I, I mentioned this a while back in this class. Many people say that, that you don't accept his shahada. And they say, can you see how strict Imam Ahmad was? You don't accept his kalima. What's meant by shahada is not the kalima. The word shahada means his witness. Shahada means a witness, your declaration. But not your declaration of faith. He means a witness. You understand? So if the person comes as a witness, he comes to you as a, as a witness, like in a court case, or for, for nikah. Muhammad says it's not befitting we accept his witness. Why? He's an evil person because he abandons witr. This is how strict they were on witr. This is how serious witr was to them, even though they said it's not a, it's not a fard. Imagine the fard salah. Imagine to them how was the person who, who accepted, who, who rejected the fara'id, or, or abandoned the fard salah, Allah musta'an. So we know the person who rejects the fara'id or the abandons the farsada at, at all or in totality, then the sahaba had agreement that this person is a kafir. The person who abandons salah in totality, the sahaba had an agreement that he's kafir. He's not a Muslim. And there's many evidences to, to, to back that up as well. But this shows even on the, the witted how strict Imam Ahmad was. That if he doesn't pray with it, he abandons with it, he's an evil person and it's not befitting that we accept his shahada. Tayyip. However, the hadith also, another hadith also proves to us that it's not a fault. Just to emphasize the point, because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a man asked him about the salah and so forth, if I pray the five daily prayers, is that sufficient? Just the five fard fara'id? So the man said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, yes. And then he said, what, what else is there to do? And he said, nothing but the tawwa. Understand? Meaning, it's only those five that are fard. Everything else is, is sunnah. All of the other salawat are sunnah. Except for the, except for the, the five daily prayers. That's what that hadith proves. And another and the hadith proves the same thing. And Allah Azza wa Jalla knows best. But most importantly here, even though we say it's a sunnah, it's not befitting that we omit the witr. Understand? It's not befitting that we omit. It should not be omitted out of laziness or for any reason. Right? A true believer, people of the Quran especially, they pray their witr in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next hadith from Jabir, radiallahu anhu, anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qama fi shahri Ramadan. He stood in the month of Ramadan. Thumman tadaruhu من القابلة فلما يخرج 
Then they waited for him. So he came, he made Qiyam. The next night, the people came out and they, they waited for him to come out once again. But he did not come out. Right? He never came out. And then he said to them, إِنِّي خَشِيتُ أَنْ يَكْتُبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْوِتْرُ رَوَاهُ إِبْنُ حِبَّانِ He then said, I feared that witr would become compulsory upon you. That witr would become compulsory upon you. And other narrations mention that, although this hadith is weak, there's weakness in it, um, that he feared that the qiyam would become compulsory. This is why he did not come out again. Because he was worried that if he comes out every night, people's going to think it's a, it's a foul. So he, he said at home, to show that the qiyam is not a foul. And in this hadith, he's trying to prove that even the witr is not a foul. Although, if the hadith, even though there is weakness in the hadith, however, it, it goes with what we mentioned before, that witr is not a foul, and Allah knows best. The next hadith from Kharijah, Ibn Hudhafah, radiallahu anhu, who said, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ أَمَدَّكُمْ بِصَلَاةٍ هِيَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ مِنْ حُمُرٍ نَعَمْ He said, Indeed, Allah has given you an extra salah which is better for you than red camels. Red camels was the, the, one of the most um, sought-after and valuable commodities in their time. So we said, What is the salah that has been given to us that's better than red camels? He said, Al-witr. It's witr. Witr. And now he gives the time of witr. The time that witr can be prayed, he says, that which is between Salatul Isha and Tulu'il Fajr. The coming of Fajr or the rising of Fajr. Rawahul Khamsa ila Nasai wa Sahaul Hakim. Rawah Ahmad an Amr ibn Shu'ayb an Abi an Jaddi nahwahu. Similar hadith in Musnad Arim Ahmad. Although both of these ahadith are weak, however, however, these are the times of witr that we know as well. That witr can only be performed when? After you've prayed Isha. Witr cannot be prayed before Isha. Right? Any person who prays Witr before he prayed Isha, that Witr is not accepted. Understand? That Witr is not accepted. So Witr comes in once you've prayed Isha. You have to first make Isha, now you can pray Witr. From that moment, up until the Waqt of Fajr. Up until the, the Waqt of Fajr, this is the time for, for Witr. Basically the whole night. The whole night. You have the whole night to pray witr. Either the beginning or the end of the night, the middle, it doesn't matter. The point is, you have to first pray your Isha and then your witr. The best is to do what? To make witr your last prayer. To try to do this. To make witr your last prayer. So if you're going to pray Qiyam, delay the witr. Right? If you fear that you're not going to wake up, pray witr before you go sleep. This was the advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave to Abu Hurairah. If you fear, before you sleep, pray witr. So for people, for example, who's not accustomed to making Salatul Layl or Tahajjud, you know when they wake up at the end of the night, if you're not accustomed to this, then you could pray witr before you go sleep. Out of fear that I'm not going to wake up. Understand? And then, there's no harm in not praying witr at the last salah. There's no harm. But if you know you're going to wake up, if you're fairly certain that you're going to wake up, then you can delay your witr till before fajr, after you pray your tahajjud or your qiyamun layl, and Allah knows best.
So a person who prays witr after Fajr, or after the Adhan of Fajr, not accepted. Right? You've missed the time. You've missed the time, so it's not accepted. طيب الحديث حديثي شرم عبد الله بن ابن بريدة رضي الله عنه عن أبيه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الوتر حق وتر is a duty فلم يوتر فمن لم يوتر فليس منا whoever does not perform the وتر then he is not from amongst us أخرجه بداود بسند لين وصحه الحاكم there is some weakness in this hadith as well وله شاهد ضعيف عن أبي هريرة عند أحمد it has supporting evidence from أبو هريرة in the Muslim of Ahmad, which is also weak. The next hadith from Aisha, radiallahu anha, she said, مَا كَانَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ يَزِيدُ فِي رَمَضَانَ وَلَا فِي غَيْرِهِ عَلَى إِحْدَى عَشَرَةَ رَكَعَةً يُصَلِّي أَرْبَعًا فَلَا تَسْعًا أَنْ حُسْنِهِنَّ وَطُولِهِنَّ She says, Aisha says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to, the Prophet never increased in Ramadan, nor outside of Ramadan. He never increased over 11 rak'at. 11 rak'at. He never made more than 11 rak'at. In Ramadan, she said, and outside of Ramadan. Yusalli arba'an. She said he prayed four rak'at. He prayed four rak'at. And she says, don't ask. How beautiful it was and how long it was. Then he prayed for again. And she said, don't ask. Do not ask about its beauty. How beautiful it was and how long it was. Then he prayed three rak'at after that. And so Aisha said, I said, Ya Rasulullah, Do you sleep before you perform witr? She said, he said, Ya Aisha, Indeed, my two eyes may be asleep, but my heart does not sleep. But my heart does not sleep. This hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. So, first issue is, the hadith says, he never made more than 11 rak'at. Not in Ramadan and not outside of Ramadan. Right? And do not ask, she says, how beautiful and how long? Meaning what? What does this mean? Don't ask. Meaning? It was extremely beautiful. The way he prayed was extremely beautiful. And it was extremely long. So don't even ask how long or how beautiful it was. It was extremely beautiful and extremely long. This was the way he prayed this 11 rak'at. And then she says, Yusalli arba'an. He prayed four rak'at. What does this mean? Now, the apparent meaning could mean that he prayed four in one go. Or it could be two by two if we take the other hadith into consideration. So if you make jam' meaning, we reconcile between this hadith and the other hadith we mentioned in the beginning of Ibn Umar of Mathna, Mathna. If we take the two together and we say what she means by four is two and two. And then what happened? Why did she then say he prayed four? Don't ask how beautiful how long, then he prayed four. What's, why does she differentiate between the four and the four? What, what happened between it? What happened? Because he used to pray four, meaning two, then two, then rest, then take a break, then relax, then pray another two and another two, and then rest and relax. 
In fact, the hadith basically indicates that he used to sleep. Because this is why she said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, do you sleep before Fajr, before Witr? What does this indicate? That after the eighth rak'ah, he took his nap. He must have laid down and closed his eyes. And she then says, do you sleep before the Witr? And what was his response? My eyes are closed and sleeping, but not my heart. My heart doesn't sleep. Okay? So to summarize here, he prayed four rak'at, meaning two and two. So he basically he grouped these two units together. Two rak'at, long and beautiful. Two rak'at, long and beautiful. Then a, then a rest. And this is where the word tarawih comes from. What does tarawih mean? Tarawih means to relax, to take a break, to take it easy. And this is where that, that relaxation comes in. That point of rest comes in. Tarawih means that point of rest. So this is what the Prophet used to do. Is to make the four, two by two, then rest. Understand? It wasn't a up and down, up and down, up and down, and by the tenth rakah you're tired. And like you like just dragging your way through. This is what happens in the, most of the massage, because they pay 20 rakah, it becomes lengthy, the up, down, up, down, up, down, short recitation. And by the end of it, People are counting the rakaat, you know, how much is left? Becomes burdensome on people, I believe, this is my personal opinion. Becomes a little bit burdensome, uh, burdensome on people. And they start to think, you know, how long? But yet, what does the sunnah show us? There was a break. Right? He relaxed. Then came the next four, two by two. Then he actually slept. So what do we learn about the qiyam of the Prophet It wasn't like we pray our tarawih. Isha, and then immediately Taraweeh. We do this because of the way society is, you know. Who's going to come at, uh, to the masjid at the end of the night and pray every night Qiyam Lail? So we do this to facilitate for the people and accommodate for everyone. And this is why we do it that way. And obviously, the recitation is a lot less than what the Prophet used to recite. Because again, to facilitate and make things easy for the people who are definitely not able to, including all of us, not able to pray the way he, the way he prayed, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Um. So the hadith indicates that he slept a little bit, right? Because she said, "Do you sleep before, before the witr?" Which indicates that he must have had a had a nap, or a slight, you know, a dozing off, or something to that effect. And then he said that, my eyes are asleep, but not my, um, but not my heart. Okay, so some of the benefits of this hadith that Ibn Uthaymin mentions, he mentions that it's befitting that a person gives his body a break as well. Even in the worship. So we see this on this hadith that he took a break and a break and then he rested and he slept a little bit. Secondly, we see a weakness of another hadith, which is a hadith of Ibn Abbas, which mentions that the Prophet ﷺ prayed 23 rak'at in Ramadan. There's a hadith that says this 23 rak'at he prayed, but the hadith is weak. And this hadith also proves that it's weak. This hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. And what does she say? He never made more than 11. So when we say he made 23, she is there. She should have known. She would have known. And that hadith is also weak. So we know that it is not an established narration. This hadith emphasizes the point that that hadith is inauthentic. 
Um, the hadith also proves that it is mustahab or recommended that we lengthen Salatul Layl. Because she said, do not ask how long and how beautiful it was. And we know this from the Prophet ﷺ, that he prayed extremely long. For example, he read on one occasion, Baqarah and Nisa and Al-Imran. This is, this is in one go. Right? In one go. That's four or five ajazah. Right? In one go. This is narrated from one Sahabi. Other Sahabi mentions that I wanted to sit. I wanted to sit down while he was praying because I couldn't anymore. And other hadith mentions that his ankles would swell up. So how long was he not standing if his ankles are swelling up? And his response was, Should I not be a thankful slave, a grateful slave? Right? Because Aisha said, your, your sins of past and of future is forgiven. Why? You stand like this, your ankles are swollen. And this was his response, Should I not be a thankful slave? So we know his qiyam was extremely long. It's a sunnah to lengthen your qiyam to the best of your ability. To the best of your ability. And along with that is to beautify the qiyam. It should not be up and down and kiss the ground, right? You have to pray with ihsan, that, that khushur and perfection. And as we spoke about before, we said, there's two aspects to this. The one, the one is the physical aspects, right? Which we spoke about sifat salah, right? We spoke about that for a long time. How to pray the salah in, in the, according to the sunnah. The physical way of praying. And also the internal ihsan must also be there. That focus, the khushu, the humility, the concentration. This is how he obviously prayed. And now this is part of the beautification of the salah. So both aspects need to try to be fulfilled. Right? To be as close to the sunnah as possible. Um... Then he says, جواز الإيتار بالثلاث بسلام واحد It's then permissible to make witted by with three rakaat with one salam. With, with one salam. Because she said, ثم يصلي ثلاثا. He then prayed three rakaat together. She didn't say two and one. She said three rakaat together, meaning as the witted he prayed three. So this three rakaat was in one go. With one salam. Understand? So how do we pray this three rakaat? Is this like maghrib? No. Because there's a hadith that says, make witted with three rakaat, but do not let it resemble maghrib. Do not let your witted resemble maghrib. So how are we going to pray three, but it must be different to maghrib? Like she said, one go. All three together. Okay, the Maghrib is also all three together. One Tashahud or one Tahiyat. Ahsan. So that is how it's going to differentiate, be differentiated, be differentiated from Maghrib. So we're going to pray with it. One Raka'ah, you go straight up, no Tashahud. Second Raka'ah, straight up, no Tashahud. And then you sit in the third Raka'ah and you make your Salam at the end of the third Raka'ah. This is how the Prophet did it. Understand? So three rakaat in one go with one tashahud and one salam, one taslim at the end. So just a question, Sheikh. Um, Sheikh said this like um, in the Sunnah salah it's quick. Because the Prophet performed it quick, yeah? Um, with bitter. Again, say again? Like the Sunnah he must perform quick. Quick? Like he must, uh, not quick like the rest. Uh, what do you mean the Sunnah? The Sunnah salah, like the Prophet um, performed this Sunnah salah very quickly. Like, that was the two before Fajr, yes. 
Is it just for Fajr? That was the hadith specifically mentioned the two before Fajr. Okay, okay so um, the question is, um, are you allowed to make your own in your sunnah? Yes, of course. Okay. That was specifically for the two before Fajr. He made it very light. So just for sunnah, just for Fajr, for all other salam. He made no more. So did we make a dua before? Uh, no problem. After the shahud. No problem. Okay. It's, it's good. <coughs> Um, but just the two before Fajr, he made very light. And again, think of the hikmah. The hikmah is he stood the whole night in prayer, or a large portion of the night in prayer, then made witr. Now he makes two before Fajr, and then he wants to relax. A little bit before the fard. Understand? So it makes sense that he wants to make that very quickly or, or very easy, so that he can rest, so he can then be a bit more refreshed for the fard salah. Understand? Um, so the sunnah is regarding the two before fajr is to make it takhfif, yani, meaning very light, very easy and quick, not no extra, you know, don't, not lengthen it basically. Um, why does Aisha say, do you sleep before witr? Why would she say this? What does this indicate? This indicates that to them, they also understood. That sleeping breaks your wudu. This is why, because you would sleep and then get up and pray witr. So she's obviously asking, you're sleeping before the witr, you know? So what was his response? My eyes are sleeping, but not my heart. As if to say, yes, my eyes are asleep, but I'm aware of what's happening to myself spiritually. That I know that I'm not breaking my wudu. This was something specific to the Prophet that he knew he did not break his wudu. So if he slept and he woke up, he would know that he still had his wudu intact. Whereas the rest of us, if we sleep and it's a deep sleep, it's a deep sleep and you are out of it for one minute even, 30 seconds even, you don't know what happened around you, you were knocked out, deep sleep, your wudu is broken. Because at that moment you are not in control of your body, so you do not know if you passed the wind or if you broke your wudu in any way. Understand? But if it's a very light sleep, you just doze off briefly and you are aware of your condition, your physical condition, that you did not break wudu, then we say that does not break the wudu. Understand? So this would be something similar in that case to the Prophet because he was aware. But this was only for him, yani when he slept, only his eyes was asleep, but not his, his heart. Um, and this is something that we see is specific to him, that when he slept, only his eyes slept, but not his heart. Question then is, there's a hadith when they were on travel and he said, who's going to keep watch for Fajr? And so Bilal said, that I will do that. I'll wake everybody up for Fajr. And what happened? They all overslept and they woke up with the sun shining on them. Even the Prophet So how do we respond to this? His heart is awake. But his eyes were asleep. He's human, yes? So meaning his eyes could not see that it's Fajr. His heart is awake, meaning he cannot be affected by the shaitan. His iman is intact. He will, if he does not break his wudu, that ritual impurity will not be broken because he knows his heart is intact. But sensing the waqt of fajr, that's something that you need to look and physically look at. And this is why he, he did not physically see because his eyes were asleep. This is how Ibn Taymiyyah basically answers that um, issue. Um, because physically he's, he's asleep. Like every other person. But his heart is awake. And this is why some scholars said that the Prophet can never have a wet dream. 
an erotic dream, you know, because his heart is awake. And that comes from the shaitan as well. That those that things there, that comes from the shaitan. So this does not happen to the Prophet ﷺ because his heart is awake um, during the night. طيب, we move on to the next hadith also from Aisha radiallahu anhu anha. She said that كان يصلي من الليل عشر ركعات. The Prophet sallallahu used to pray at night for ten raka'at. He used to, he used to pray at night ten raka'at. وَيُوتِرُ بِسَجْدَةِ And then he made witr with a sajda. وَيَرْكَعُ رَكَعَتَيْ الْفَجْرِ And then he prayed two raka'at of fajr. So this equal to thirteen raka'at. So this hadith tells us what? He prayed ten raka'at of Qiyam now, right? Then one raka'ah of witr. When, he, when she says, you to be sajda, you made witr with a sajda, she means? You made witr, yani, sajda implying salah. So you made one raka'ah of witr. So you made ten raka'at in, 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 of Qiyam. That's plus one witr makes eleven. And then she added the two of Fajr as to make thirteen. But that two is what? The two before Fajr. That's what this, this narration states. Understand? So we see a slight difference here now in that he prayed 10 and 1 witr. The previous one was 3 witr. 8 qiyam and 3 witr. Also equal to 11. This also equals to 11. Another narration from Aisha, she says, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ يُصَلِّي مِنَ اللَّيْلِ ثَلَاثَ عَشْرَةَ رَكْعًا Now she says he prayed 13 raka'at at night. 13 raka'at at night. No longer 11. 13 raka'at at night. Yutiru min dhalika bi khamsin. From the 13, 5 was witr. How much? 5 was witr. La yajlisu fi shayin illa fi akhiriha. And he did not sit in that 5 except in the last raka'at. What does this tell us? In total that night he made how many raka'at? 13 raka'at. But 5 was how much? Witr. So that means he made how many qiyam? 8 qiyam. So he prayed his 4, took a break, prayed his 4, meaning 2 by 2, took a break, and then prayed 5 raka'at in one go of witr. And this equals to 13 for the night. Understand? So it would have been two by two, or is two by two, or is and then five, and, then and that five is as we said in what with one tashahud at the end, one tahiyat, right? The same like the three, just five. So to be Allahu Akbar, you go down all the way up, second rakah all the way up, third rakah all the way up, fourth rakah all the way up, and then only in the fifth rakah do you sit down and you make the the tahiyat or the tashahud. Understand? Now we see the variations coming into play here. So Ibn Uthaymin, he says here, this hadith proves that it's permissible to make witr with five raka'at. And the sunnah here is to make the salam at the end with only one tashahud. Right? Um, so this is one of the ways that he prayed witr. One of the ways that he prayed witr. So, so what do we know so far? Sometimes he prayed witr with one raka'at. As the previous hadith stated, one raka'at witr only. Not three, not five, one. This one here proves that he prayed it with five. The other one proves that he prayed it with three. There's also a narration where he prayed with seven. 
Seven raka'at of witr. How? In one go. Seven raka'at in one. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Seven times and only the last does he sit down and he makes the tahiyyat. In another narration, he made nine raka'at. Nine raka'at. How did he pray the nine? With two tashahuds. The nine he prayed with? Two tashahuds. So in the eighth raka'ah, he made a tashahud. And in the ninth raka'ah, he made a tashahud. That's only for the, for the nine. One, three, five, and seven. In one go with one tashahud at the end. Nine raka'at, he prayed it with two tashahuds. He prayed it with two tashahuds. So in the eighth raka'ah, he would sit, make a tahiyat, and go back up. And then in the ninth raka'ah, he would make a tashahud and make the salam. Are you with me? <coughs> Sheikh, um, the surahs regarding the Vitr Salah, um, only the last two he recite Surah to Qudayn um, Kafirun. If you're making it in the three, then you would, I think you would use that formula. And what do you recite in the first raka'ah? Anything. Okay. If you're making the three, then the sunnah was to read Sabbi Hisma, the first raka'ah, Qul Ya'iwal Kafirun in the second, and Qul Wallahu Ahad in the third. Did you say the last one Yes. Um, where was I? I said for the ninth one, you're going to make it with two tashahuds, right? And then another narration states that he made 11 raka'at. 11 raka'at. But how did he make 11 raka'at of witr? 11 raka'at was the hadith, the previous two hadith basically which says two, 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 five times which is ten and then just one raka'at. So basically you can say three, one sorry, three, five, seven and nine. The eleven you're just going to do two by two and then one at the end. So, what's the best way? Which, which way is the best way? Which way is the best way out of all of these? Only one. One tashahud. Okay, good. Let me enact all three of all the different sunnahs. There we go. That's the, way, uh, that's the answer I'm looking for. What's the best way? The best way is to, 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 to mix and match. Not mix and match, but you know, choose different ways. Sometimes you pray one raka, you tie it, for example. Sometimes you pray three, sometimes pray five, sometimes pray seven, sometimes pray nine. In the haram they do it, they, In the haram they just do, one. yeah, they, they, will, they will alternate between that. But yeah. you see, in, in public to pray seven raka'at of witr, or nine raka'at of witr, people are going to get very confused because they won't even know what's happening. The imam keeps standing straight up, they're going to be sitting, it's chaos. So the haram they generally wouldn't do that. The five, or the seven, or the nine. This you can do at home. Yeah, they do the three in one, yes. But very rarely. Now and then. Most of the time they do two and one. I experience that three and one. Most of the time they do two and one. So with it, you can either make two and one, right? 
or you can make it when it comes to the three rak'at you can either make two and then one or you can make three in one go right when it comes to the five it's five in one seven in one nine will be with two tashahuds two tashahuds so the best thing that we can do is to try and try to act upon all of them try to act upon upon all of them so that we're acting upon more of the sunnah you know and this keeps a person more attentive so you don't just pray with it by the way okay what am i going to do now to play three so now you're focused what am i going to do tonight i'm going to play five i'm focused you understand it keeps your mind away keeps your mind focused secondly you are praying according to more of the sunnah in acting upon more of the sunnah this is the best thing understand um so this keeps a person more focused this is the main benefit i would say and also the other main benefit is that you are acting upon more of the sunnah the last hadith states also from aisha that she said min kulli layli qad awtara rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam fantaha witruhu ila as-sahari muttafaqun alayhima hadith is basically she says that in every part of the night he would pray witr from every part of the night he would pray witr and he would end his witr up until up until sahar which is the early hours of the morning yani the last end of the last part of the night so what this means is sometimes he would pray witr from the beginning of the night sometimes from the when she says the beginning of the night she means on the beginning of the last third not the beginning of the night as in after isha she means the beginning of the the last third or half of that or just be at, just at the end of the night you understand and he used to pray witr at, at any of those times basically and his, his witr used to last up until the early hours of the morning meaning just before fajr he would pray his witr and end it just before fajr The best is, of course, this is the best way to end it before Fajr. So that is your last prayer, and you're praying it in the last hours of the night. Um, except for who? We said for who? For the person who fears, right? That he's not going to wake up. For this one, we said, pray it before you sleep. This is what the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Hurairah to do. Why? Because Abu Hurairah used to study hadith. He used to revise this hadith during the night, and he used to sleep very late. He used to sleep late because he used to be up at night revising hadith. So because he's sleeping late, there's a chance he might miss the qiyam and only wake up when it's fajr time. So they said to him, before you sleep, pray witr. Before you sleep, pray witr. But in other hadith of, of, of for example, Abu Bakr, Prophet said to him, make it the last had, make it the last salah. Don't make it, don't pray before you sleep because Abu Bakr knew he's going to wake up. You see the difference? So a person should also know himself. So we should know, look, if I'm going to sleep tonight, what's the chances I'm going to get up? Probably not, I'm very tired. Pray with it before you sleep. If you feel, look, inshallah, I'm going to wake up, you know, my alarm is said, someone's going to wake me up, for example, delay the witr. Understand? In delay the witr, this is best. It's best. What about the person who combines between Maghrib and Isha, like a traveler? Right? But let's say he makes 
Isha Maghrib time. So he prays Maghrib and then Isha immediately. When can he pray Witr? After which Isha? The Isha that he prayed or the actual Waqt of Isha? Oh, actual Waqt of Isha. Well, technically, he could pray with it immediately. Because the Waqt of Isha for him has come close. Has been brought nearer to the Waqt of Maghrib. So for him, he can pray Maghrib, Isha and with it if he wants to. Like a traveler, for example, he doesn't have to delay to the end of the night, wait until the end. And so forth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, one benefit of the hadith he mentions is that the Prophet used to continue in his witr up until the waqt of Fajr. Right? Or he did not make it right until Fajr. But just before Fajr. For a short period before Fajr. Right? That, that time which is known as Sahar, which is the last, not the last few moments, but you could say some, just a few, some time before that in Fajr. Because what he would do is, he would sleep then, until Fajr and rest a bit. Okay? Is it that waterfall stone? Perhaps, yes, in that period of time. Uh, because Hadith also says the best of Qiyam is the Qiyam of Dawood alayhi salam. How did Dawood make Qiyam? He would stand for half the night. He would sorry, sleep for half the night. Then stand for one third of the night. And then sleep for a sixth of the night. This is how Dawood basically did it. So the Prophet also used to do this as well. Um, so after that Thuluth, he would make Witr, then sleep for the last sixth of the night just before Fajr. So that sixth of the hour of the night, that's the part that we would by the time he would finish his witr, you can say, and he would sleep until until Fajr. Understand? And Allah Azza wa Jalla is best. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi 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 wa sah